The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. On the soapbox at 6 pm today, Niall Breslin will be joining me, Brezzy, uh, to talk about how to solve some of the shortcomings in mental health services. And it's it's timely, actually, that we're talking about it now because it was this month last year, January 2023, when we saw an interim report from the Mental Health Commission into CAMS, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. And just to remind you, we would have covered it extensively here on the show and on the station. Uh, this report found that we have had and continue to have a crisis that has been decades in the making. So what they found, amongst other things in this report, this interim report, was large numbers of so-called lost cases. These are children referred to help and then not being followed up with, uh, not offered appointments in some cases for up to two years. In another catchment area, you had about 140 of these lost cases. Uh, in, In some areas, some other catchment areas, there were stories about medical teams prescribing and then not even monitoring antipsychotic medication given to children. Sometimes the doctors doing the prescribing weren't actually trained to treat children. And then on other occasions, the interim report detailed children who would need acute care, they'd be sent to hospital, and what would happen, they would end up sitting in emergency department waiting rooms, sometimes for days on end, waiting for a psychiatrist to see them. In other words, the system that we had and continue to have that's meant to help our most vulnerable children is a system that was utterly failing them. So that was the interim report that came out this time last year. When the full report was subsequently published later in 2023, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, on this station ensured us change was on the way, uh, thanks in part to a new clinical lead for child and youth mental health. Well, the Minister is with me now. Minister, we will talk in a moment more broadly about overall hospital waiting list numbers moving in the right direction, it has to be said. But has there been a similar improvement in mental health services that you talked about here in the station several months ago? There has been improvement, but I want to start by saying the current situation is still not close to acceptable. Neither myself nor uh, Minister Mary Butler, who leads on mental health, believe that it is acceptable. We've been very fortunate in that we have recruited into the National Clinical Lead Post, Dr Amanda Burke. She's a highly skilled, highly experienced psychiatrist I've spoken to her about her plans for how we're going to make sure every child gets the treatment they need when they need it. The figures, Kieran, are um, it it was at its worst in the middle of the year, about 4,600 children waiting. Now, some of those children are in in an urgent situation. They need care. They need care quickly. And not in every case, but there is a reasonably high uh, number of those will have got care within the three-day target that is set. That figure fell which is what we want to see. It Mm. fell um, in August, September. Unfortunately, uh, the FORSA members, through their work to rule, are refusing to provide the HSE and the department with the current waiting list figures uh, since then, it's, which makes it very difficult for us to respond on behalf of patients, but uh, that, that is what it is. However, we have a national clinical lead, uh, we have a national operational lead, uh, and I am determined, Mary Butler is determined, uh, and I know the people leading the service are determined, mm-hmm. that we'll bring those waiting lists, just like we have with the main lists we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, that we will bring those down and down and down. Uh, you, you mentioned then the main waiting lists. So uh, talk me through the reductions that we have seen. Can can I start, Kieran, by really acknowledging our healthcare workers for this? I've been working very closely with them now over the last few years, and I know firsthand just how hard our doctors, our nurses, our health and social care professionals, and 
so many people across our hospitals worked to achieve what I'm about to tell you. So last year, we set our core target that we would have a 10% reduction in the number of men, women and children waiting longer than the agreed 10 to 12 weeks. They're the slauncher care figures we're all agreed people mm. shouldn't wait more than that. Uh, 2022 was the first year they f- the list fell in a long time. Last year is the second year. This year now will be the third year. I'm absolutely determined of that. 57,000 less patients are waiting now than this time last year um, over those agreed slauncher care targets. Critically as well, the amount of time people is waiting is coming down. Uh, last year we saw a, a reduction in the average time someone waits to see a hospital consultant, yeah. you know, an outpatient appointment, fell from nearly 10 months to seven and a half months. Now our target is to get down to three months, let's make no mistake, mm. but we're on the way. At the end of 2020, it was at about 12 and a half months. So in three years now, we've gone from 12 and a half months to seven and a half months. We we need to get down further, but but important progress is being made. And now, I think for the first time, we can have a real conversation about how we achieve those 10 to 12 yeah. weeks for everybody. We're not there. Um, but, but what was it pre-COVID? So, I mean, if it was... Because people listening would say, hold on, at the end of 2020, we would have gone through a period whereby a huge amount of hospital appointments were not happening. You know, ergo that high figure. Hmm. So are we just back to what was the situation pre-COVID? Are we bragging about the fact that COVID isn't around anymore. I don't have the 2019 figures. We can we can certainly look those up. But but what we are seeing now uh, is a, is a is a significant reduction. Let me give you an example. So the number of people waiting longer than a year. You'd accept been, that 2019 is a better figure to uh, year to compare to than 2020. Statistically speaking, I can see why you'd prefer 2020. No, in terms of the the amount of time people are are waiting, of of course, but certainly the seven and a half month. Uh, weight is significantly lower than it was in 2019. I, I, I know that. I think at the end of 2019, it was about 10 and a half months. Okay. It's now down to about seven and a half months. So uh, things are better. And it's important to say as well that things are better in, in spite of a massive increase in the number of people being referred for treatment. So, so versus 2019, for example, believe it or not, 320,000 more people were referred into hospitals mm for an outpatient appointment, 320,000 than last year. And in spite of that, as we know, the list went up in 2019, they came down in 2023. And so how has the reduction been achieved? Yeah, and and you're right to acknowledge, uh, you know, hard work ultimately, but beyond that? So a few things. First and foremost, hard work. Hard work by clinicians and uh, non-clinical staff in every hospital in the country. That's the that's mm. the first thing. They worked hard. They worked overtime. They focused relentlessly on getting to people who were waiting for too long, um, on implementing new ways of working, on doing blitz clinics at the weekends. So a lot of it came down to people yeah. just doing a good job. It wasn't a case. I remember a number of years ago, one of your predecessors um, in the Department of Health uh, achieved kind of a significant drop overnight. And, and this isn't to kind of to suggest it was it, it was a phony drop, but a lot of it was achieved by way of eliminating uh, duplication on waiting lists, that people were kind of multiple, the same person was on multiple waiting lists, often for the same thing. You, you'll always get a certain amount of that. And in fact, today, 
there are people on multiple waiting lists. Uh, we'll have to have unique patient identifiers and so forth yeah. before we get there. But that, so, that wasn't the case here. This is There were a few things happening. Okay. In, in tw- 2022, we launched our first waiting list action plan. 2022 saw a really important reduction of the number of people waiting. Then last year, we did another one. Mm-hmm. We learned, we, we launched a new plan last year. We're doing exactly the same this year. So I think it's a combination of bloody hard work from our healthcare workers, coupled with a relentless focus from government, from the department, from the HSC, week by week, month by month, saying we have to treat more people. We're also doing things differently. Uh, We're rolling out things called patient-initiated reviews, for example. So it says, you know, I've come into you as my doctor and you say, right, Stephen, look, um, I'll see you in six months. Yeah. I don't need to see in six months, but that's kind of how we do things. As opposed to a different way of doing it, which they rolled out, uh, they've rolled out in in some places, saying, look, um, I'm not giving you a six-month time, but if anything goes wrong or you're concerned, get onto the office and we'll see you straight away. What you find is when that happens, the patients are happier because they know they can come back when they want rather Mm -hmm. than a scheduled appointment. Um, and it means that the doctors end up treating more new patients, thereby yeah. accelerating the reduction in the waiting list. Do you not just end up in a situation there whereby women have much better health outcomes than men? Because unless men are told by the doctor, come back in six months, here's your appointment, doesn't matter what goes wrong with them, they don't walk through the door. That's not the evidence we have, um, but I'm sure, I'm sure we no, can look not, at that's not, we can that's look not at the vagaries kind of, that's, of... That's uh, not of, just of anecdote. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it, men are, statistically speaking, less likely to seek medical intervention than women. It may, maybe so, but certainly what we've got to focus on not only is the people who are in care, you know, come back in six months or come back if anything goes wrong, we have to be cognizant of the number of people who are still waiting for care in the first place. And ultimately, this what this does is it shifts the balance towards those. It brings the waiting list down. The challenge now is 2024. So this year, we're going to start opening surgical hubs. It's going to make a difference. Um, the public-only contract uh, has been taken up by a, a very encouraging number of consultants. That means they've more time to treat public patients. What percentage? Do outpatients. The latest figures I saw were about 1,300. So that's about a third, including the agency workers. And we expect that to to continue this year. And critically... We get over the half mark this year? I hope so. Yeah, I would hope so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, critically, we're focusing on productivity. So the number of outpatient appointments, the number of procedures that our consultants and our clinical teams, our medical teams, our surgical teams are doing. Because... If we can succeed in this, and I believe we can, 2024 will be the third year in a row that the waiting lists fall. Now, we know they were too long. We had some of the longest Mm. in Europe. What's happening now is the lists in the UK, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, the lists in France, the lists in in other European countries are going up. They're really struggling post-COVID with this big surge. We're seeing the same surge, but because we are responding, because Mm. the HSE is responding, our lists are actually going down. Um, we spoke to Shane Higgins, the master of uh, the National Maternity Hospital on Hollis Street yesterday, and he was echoing comments that have been made by Master of Rotunda a few weeks ago, um, which is that uh, all of this is happening against the backdrop of staffing issues, which you'd be well aware of, um, that exist right across the system. And he talks about the fact that they've had to invest in property themselves to house uh, some of their staff uh, coming from overseas. And then long term, he sees a number of staff who commute and that uh, they ultimately make a decision to get a job closer to home. And he feels as kind of there's a, a particular Dublin problem emerging. It, that is, it's not just a Dublin issue. So if you go into 
uh, Galway Hospital. They will they will talk about the same thing. Um, this comes down to the cost of rent, the cost of housing, uh, and that's why I think to Minister O'Brien's great credit, he will have overseen the construction of tens of thousands of houses in 2023. I don't think we've seen the final figures yet. And I know from talking to him at Cabinet this morning that he, he, he is determined that this year uh, the number of new house completions uh, will go up again, right? It, there's lots of complexity to this, but as all of your listeners know, ultimately uh, the only answer is more homes, more apartments, more homes for people to buy, for people to live in, for people to rent. Uh, and that is the solution. Now, in hospitals in Ireland and around the world, there is a tradition of having a staff block, be it a nursing block or a medical block or whatever it may be. In some hospitals, uh, in fact, in the rotunda, they used to have a, a, a midwifery and nursing block, and mm. that's now an administrative block. They're now having a conversation with us about maybe repurposing that for accommodation. I think there is something to be said, particularly okay. for... Uh, NCHDs who are travelling to different hospitals for say six Should months. Should it form part then of the plans at the new National Maternity Hospital? I, well, it it hasn't, but the the Should, though. one Should of the advantages it? that the new um, that the, the new National Maternity Hospital will have is you know it, it's on transport links. It's right by the Dart. In fact, I used to get off at Sydney Parade for four years myself and walk up to UCD. Um, but it's something I think needs to be kept under advisement around the country. The trade-off is this. Yeah. For every... But sure, surely it, it it makes sense to include it as part of the plans. If the Rotunda, if the Hollis Street are doing it, the Rotunda are looking at doing it, we're going to bring those hospitals together on a big, big new campus that's only a few kilometres down the road. It's not a million miles away. Surely the situation is the same in both areas. Despite those transport links. Yeah, it, it may well be, but certainly the, the new NMH um on Elm Park is literally right beside the Dart, you know, which which does help and it's on it's on bus routes as well. I think it's the kind of thing that we can keep uh under review, not just for, for these hospitals, but in other hospitals, not all of them, but like I say in Galway there are similar similar challenges. Um can I ask then, uh, before I let you go, about a story uh, today? It's been reported in various places. I read it this morning in the Irish Times. Uh, your party leader, Michal Martin, had uh, been linked with a possible job in Brussels. Um, would you go for a leader of the party if you left? Uh, n- no, but I don't. You wouldn't don't, go for no, it? No, I wouldn't. But I, I, I'm, if asked to serve, would you turn down the opportunity? Kieran, I, I'm spending 12 16, whatever it is, hours a day trying to fix our healthcare service uh, and I feel extraordinarily privileged to be given the chance to do that. Um, I saw the reports. I, I have no idea what either the Taoiseach or the Thornish that are thinking. I would be very surprised. Yeah, I, didn't, I, asked, I didn't ask what they're thinking. I asked what you're thinking. Oh, If you were is, asked by party colleagues to put your name forward. There, there is no question of that. Michal Martin is the leader of the party. It's not a no. He is. It is a no. He 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 is Thomas. No. And can I? So say, if there's any, if he leaves, if there's any of your party colleagues listening, that is a firm no. Don't ask me. Oh, that that isn't. But but yes, it's a yes, it's a no, uh, and it doesn't uh, arise. I think he's yes. doing. And you know, I I think poll after poll after poll shows that Michal Martin uh, was well supported as Taoiseach, is doing an excellent job as Thornishta, and I don't think he's going. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere and I, and I hope he's not considering going anywhere. I very much doubt he is. Stephen Donnelly, Minister for Health. Minister, thanks for joining us. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.